Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our newest member of the Device Talks podcast family. It's called Medtronic Talks. Our constant search to find new ways to bring you insights in the medtech industry led us to the fine, fine folks at Medtronic. They've agreed to make their senior leaders available to us and to you. In each episode, we'll discuss the opportunities and challenges facing one of medtech's clear leaders so you'll have an inside view on what makes Medtronic go. We'll ask the questions, Medtronic will provide the answers, and our great network of sponsors makes it all possible. So sit back, hop on a treadmill, take the dog for a walk, whatever you do when you listen to a great podcast, and let's listen to how Medtronic is getting the job done. Let's go. Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to this episode of Medtronic Talks. Great to have you here. We're going to talk about the surgical innovations business today. We're going to focus in on one particular part, the work that it's doing in the bariatric space, including a app called Go Further. We're going to speak with Matt Perry, the president of the group, and Dr. Marina Curian. She is a bariatric surgeon who will explain to us how Go Further is helping her practice and helping her patients. We'll also talk with Matt about other work being done in the surgical innovations business. But before we begin this episode, I'd like to introduce our sponsor, CPC. I'm here with Blair Plackner, the director of the core and customs business at CPC. Blair, tell us about CPC. Yeah, CPC is the leading provider of quick disconnect couplings and fittings for low-pressure fluid handling applications in medical, bioprocessing, thermal management, and specialty industrial markets. At CPC, we pride ourselves on innovation, having largely pioneered the low-pressure fluid handling connection space over 40 years ago. And now we offer a portfolio of over 10,000 standard off-the-shelf and custom-engineered connection products today in volumes ranging anywhere from hundreds to millions of pieces per year. We're headquartered in Roseville, Minnesota, which is in the Twin Cities metro area, but are able to work with development teams globally with regional engineering and sales throughout the world. We're an ISO 9001 and 13485 certified company and have world-class manufacturing facilities, including multiple state-of-the-art class seven cleanroom production environments. Our vision is to inspire confidence at every point of connection. It's a little bit of play on words, given that our product are our connectors, but we're really seeking to inspire that confidence at every point of connection, uh, both with our, our customers and starting internally with every interaction that the CPC team has and every touch point that we have with our customers. Of course, it's also largely inspired by the validation and testing challenges that our customers face and confidence and performance that our products must deliver. Thanks, Blair. We'll hear a little more about CPC a little later in the podcast. For more information right now, you can go to cpcworldwide.com. Now, let's begin our interview with Matt Perry and Dr. Marina Curian. Well, Matthew Perry and uh, Dr. Marina Curian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Excellent. Well, thank you both for coming here to tell us a bit about surgical innovations. Uh, it's the largest group in Medtronic, so I want to make sure we, we give it its due. But uh, you're focused on a, an interesting area, which is uh, bariatric surgery that I want to delve deeper into, and perhaps we'll certainly get into some other uh, some other therapeutic areas as well. Matt, I typically start these podcasts sort of asking about your background. I know you you sort of came over in the Covidian acquisition. I'm going to throw you a curveball, so I hope you're ready. I actually just threw serendipity interacted with someone who works in your uh, business this morning. I mentioned I was going to talk to you. And the reply I got was that Matt is an amazing leader. His memory is incredible. He'll meet someone once and remember specific details. Truly a good human. So this is 
this is even a softer than a softball question. Uh, I just, I thought that was really nice commentary on you and the fact that you remember specific details about the folks who, who work for you and I'm sure others in the industry as well. Is that something you've trained yourself to do or does it come naturally? Because I'm frankly losing that ability by the day, it seems. <laughs> Well, first off, I need to find out who made that comment and thank them, for, and also better and give them a little bonus in the <laughs> Christmas because it was awfully nice of them. If you talk to my family, my boys would tell you that I can't remember the name of our next door neighbor. So the fact that somebody <laughs> says that I meet somebody once and I can remember their name is an awfully gracious compliment. But you know, it's uh, I'm I'm blessed to have worked with so many good people over my tenure here, um, almost thirty years. As a matter of fact, I've been with the organization be thirty years at the end of this year. And had so many great experiences, Tom. It's just been uh, it's just been a joy. And I will tell you that I look back on the last thirty years. It's been not only an interesting ride, like you mentioned. We were acquired by Medtronic. We were acquired over the course of my career by a couple of other companies. But the opportunities that the organization has presented me over that time has just been fantastic. I've had the opportunity to come up through so many roles, um, but also not just within the U.S. I got a chance to spend a fair amount of time over in Western Europe and got a chance to directly manage parts of our Western European organization, um, then really closely worked with and managed part of our emerging markets organization. So spent a lot of time in Central and Eastern Europe, Middle East, Africa, and, and then Latin America before kind of moving back to the States and taking on a general management role. So it's been an absolute joy to be here over the years. And again, I got to find out who that person was and thank them face to face. Hopefully when I see them, I'll remember their name. <laughs> I will. I will not reveal my sources, but uh, <laughs> I know this person listens to the podcast. So your, your thanks will, will, will reach them. So uh, before we get into surgical innovation, I do want to delve into the business itself. But Dr. Kieran, you're kind enough to join us. Please do give us a moment. Just how did you uh, find your way in, in, into medicine and tell us a bit about uh, about your practice and your 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 many other activities. Uh, your uh, This is not your first media appearance. So All right. Well, so, you know, he asked why I went into medicine. I always tell everybody I'm like Hawkeye Pierce minus the philandering, you know, I be <laughs> a surgeon from the moment I decided I wanted to go into medicine. And uh, I'm telling you, MASH was definitely part of that whole business. I trust um, you don't have I a still, you don't have a still in your living room. Either. Well, funny. At one point, <laughs> I should make my own gin, but I never did it. <laughs> uh, and then I got into bariatric surgery just because when I started my practice, which was in 2000, there were very few people in the country able to do it laparoscopically. And laparoscopic or minimally invasive surgery is such a boon for patients and in terms of their recovery and uh, even long term, because when we used to do things with these big open incisions, there was a high risk of hernia in the severely obese population. So the fact that I was able to do it and mobilize the patient so much faster was really helpful and helped start my career because of that. Excellent. And you uh, appear on uh, ABC News Radio. You've been uh, on CBS Evening News. So this is something, is this the topic that you're speaking on all these uh, channels and shows about? Well, I've been, I've been on uh, in different media um, exposures. And, and yeah, we've generally talked about bariatric surgery and, um, you know, talking about really some of the aspects of um, post-operative care as well. So yeah, that's been a lot of it. I'm also a host on Dr. Radio on Sirius XM. And there, there I'm actually the primary care medicine show. And when I realized that, I said to the, to my executive producer, I'm like, you know, I'm a surgeon, right? He's like, yeah, but 
you could talk about anything. So <laughs> on the primary care medicine show, just so you, along with a wonderful co-host, we, we take care of that. Matt, why don't we take this opportunity before we get into talking about bariatric surgery to t- tell us a bit about SI. I know it's uh, sur- the name Surgical Innovations can mean a lot to a lot of different people. What are the businesses and the products that fall under the SI group? Sure. Thanks, Tom. And, and if those of you that aren't familiar with Medtronic, we're set up, there are 20 operating units that make up Medtronic, Surgical Innovations being one of them. And as you said, Tom, we are actually the largest operating unit within Medtronic. And we're the largest because we cover such a wide variety of surgical procedures. If you look across the portfolio of Medtronic, there's a lot of operating units that focus in a specific disease state or even a specific procedure. Yet, yeah, I would say the surgical innovations, we have products that you could use in almost every surgical procedure across the globe. Um, while we have so many opportunities from a portfolio perspective, we really concentrate in six procedural areas in terms of where we focus. And that's bariatrics, thoracic, colorectal, gynecology, hernia, and general surgery. Those are the areas where most of our innovation, most of our time and effort is spent um, and then if you think about it, we've got not just so much a broad portfolio in terms of the number of procedures, but if you think about the specialties that I just called out, and you think about the stages of a surgical procedure, and just at a very high level, you think about access, we've got to get access into a patient, we've got to then do the dissection to get to the target tissue, we've got to do the resection to take out the target tissue, oftentimes a tumor, and then we have to close the patient back up. And we have products that address each and every stage from access to dissection to resection to closure. So it's not just that we cover such a wide variety of procedures, but we have such a broad portfolio that really it can be used throughout the procedure. So that's really what makes SI such a large part of Medtronic's business. And I've asked other uh, business heads of this question, how has the, uh, the reorganization helped you? I keep for trying to look for someone who gives a complaint about it, but uh, no one's taking the bait. So <laughs> how is it? You're not going to get me to take the bait either, Tom. <laughs> so actually, it's a great question, though, because we've been in the new operating model since last February. And what I like about it is it really has brought us closer as an organization. So before we used to have the commercial organizations that sat in a different part of the organization. So now we sit together as an organization. We've got not just the R&D teams, the general managers, but we have the commercial leaders from all around the globe that sit at the same table and are making the same decisions around some of the critical decisions around resource allocation, around focus and so forth. So I really think it's brought us close to an organization and again, Jeff's going to think I'm just saying this because uh, he might listen to the podcast, but it really has made us closer to the customer. Because when you bring those commercial leaders to the table and you're sitting with the R&D leaders and you're sitting with the general managers, you've got the closest voice to a customer sitting at the same table. And that has been really powerful for us. So let's talk about the uh, the bariatric area. It's, it's clearly why we have Dr. Curian here, uh, and, and, and it must represent a, one of the opportunities where you see a, a huge opportunity for grooves. Uh, Dr. Curian, let's talk a bit about the, the disease itself. Uh, I mean, we're, we're all aware of how it's impacting many Americans and many people across the world, but can you provide some sort of context as to how serious a, a situation we're, we're facing? Let's take a quick break from this conversation to hear once again from our sponsor, CPC. I'm here with Blair Plackner of CPC. Blair, what role does CPC play in the med tech space? Well, we engage directly with med device design engineers to solve their most challenging fluidic handling and connection needs. CPC's expertise in fluidic connections and customer collaboration model 
allow medtech design engineers to focus more on their core competency by offloading the design and sourcing needs of the connection point to CPC. We have a comprehensive portfolio of standard connections and fitting solutions that can meet the needs of many of the most demanding medtech applications. You can find CPC products in use throughout the healthcare environment, from in the OR, in surgical equipment, often connecting consumable tools to durable equipment, in patient positioning devices, patient monitoring applications, and life-supporting technologies like ECMO or oxygenation. Outside of the OR, you can find CPC in recovery in support surfaces, compression and thermal therapies, wound drainage, really virtually anywhere a low-pressure connection point is needed. Finally, Blair, explain to me, why are your connectors essential products in surgical procedures? Connections between the surgical tool and device are often a key point of interaction between a surgical tech or surgeon and your device. CPC focuses on the user experience in our product innovation process to ensure connections can be made safely and intuitively, whether during setup or in procedure. CPC products provide an intuitive connect-disconnect method that allows the user to connect the fluid pathway with a simple one-handed linear actuation that doesn't require any level of orientation. An audible and tactile click will confirm a secure leak-free connection has been achieved. Multi-line products offer the convenience of connecting multiple lines in a single connection interface, preventing misconnections and improving the overall design look and integrity of the device. Enhanced connections involving integrated RFID help ensure that the proper connection has been made, that single-use devices are not reprocessed or reused, and can help even configure the device automatically by recognizing the tool connected. Finally, electrofluidic hybrid connections can combine your data, power, and fluid connections into one easy-to-use interface that aligns with the look and usability of your brand. Whatever your challenge, CPC is your partner for fluidic connection solutions in the medical device space. All right. Thanks, Blair Plackner, for all the information. And thank you to CPC for sponsoring this episode of Medtronic Talks. Once again, for more information, you can go to cpcworldwide.com. Now, let's get back into our conversation. Can you provide some sort of context as to uh, how serious a a situation we're we're facing? So many things to say here. Did you know that there are 108 million people in the U.S. alone who try to lose weight every year? And during the course of the year, there's four to five attempts by those individuals. And while we're talking about losing weight, we also have to look at different categories of being overweight to the different stages of obesity And in this country at this time, about 36% of the population is obese, meaning that their body mass index is over 30. And there's almost 67, and in some ethnic uh, populations, 70% that are considered overweight. Now, when we look at obesity, we break it up into class one, which is a body mass index. And just a little background, body mass index is how we measure um, and stratify people for their height and their weight. And then there's, you know, BMIs or uh, body mass index that is considered problematic. So BMI over 30 is considered obese, which is stage one obesity. BMI 35 to 39.9 is considered stage two obesity. And then stage three and above is severe obesity. And Mm -hmm. when we look at just the severe, severely obese population, it's about 6% of our country. 
How much of a solution is surgery for this problem? Uh, it's seen largely as a worst case uh, solution for those who are uh, suffering, the, who are carrying the highest BMIs who are, who are suffering the most with, with obesity. Uh, is surgery something that can help more people than it, it currently is? And sort of what has changed over time to make it a, uh, a, a procedure or an approach that can be perhaps more widely used? I think the use of minimally invasive techniques have made uh, the surgery much more safe with less uh, complications. You know, I've watched that evolution from my training before I started my practice from going from open surgery to minimally invasive. And now um, a lot of practices incorporate robotics as well. And the overall theme is that patients feel better after surgery, they're up moving quicker, they're home faster, and that the complications are less. In terms of why we're, we are not actually doing surgeries on all, you know, 18 million, which is 6% of the population, right? And, there, and the reason there are sure. a lot of yeah. barriers to care, but there's also concerns, like you said, that it seems like an extreme option. It is, you know, an option that, that we as surgeons and, and with our teams that we counsel the patients that, you know, this is not something to jump into lightly. All of my patients have been on multiple diets and tried to lose weight. And when they feel like their quality of life, their, um, their overall health, all of those things are impacted, then they come to seek help. And because we've made these surgeries, um, you know, as I said, again, minimally invasive with small incisions, they can recover quicker and not suffer as much postoperatively. And because we've made it safer, it's a wonderful option. And the other issues is really, you know, talking about access to care and whether insurances will cover it. And, and many insur insurances do cover surgery. And so it is available. And I think part of the concern and, and reasons that patients aren't coming forward for surgery is sometimes it's not discussed with them by their primary care or other doctors, or um, they're just, you know, worried about having surgery and, and what the, the long-term ramifications are. However, if all those patients who are on the fence came to any one of myself or my colleagues' offices, they would meet so many happy uh, patients that are post-bariatric surgery who will always say they wish they had done it sooner. Well, that's an interesting statement. Matt, what does that say to you uh, and to Medtronic about uh, an opportunity in this space? And, and how has Medtronic contributed to the treating obesity through the years? Yeah, I think Dr. Curran nailed it in terms of the, over the size of the problem, in terms of what's really driven some of the change. And if you think about what surgical innovations has contributed to that kind of that uh, growth of the life cycle in terms of bariatrics, I would first start with where we do best, which is innovation. And, and Dr. Curian talked about it. How do we make this procedure, these procedures safer? Um, Dr. Curian talked about minimally invasive surgery, right? But surgical innovations was at the forefront of driving minimally invasive surgery. We launched the instrumentation. We did so much of the work to drive minimally invasive surgery, which has just been a game changer for bariatrics. So first and foremost, SI or surgical innovations, if you think about the core of our Medtronic mission, Tom, it's about alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life. 
in using our surgical or our biomedical engineering technology to deliver products that deliver meaningful improvements in patient outcomes. So first and foremost, we've done a great job historically, and we're going to continue to deliver innovation to make surgeons like Dr. Curry even more comfortable in surgery and try and make those procedures even safer. So that's the first thing we do. The second piece, and this goes back again, you think about the how, this, how these procedures have come a long way in the last 10, 20 years is surgeon and clinician education. So we believe it's not just providing the right technologies in the hands of the surgeons, but really providing the right education support. And if you think about some of the specific areas that we've tried to really invest from an education perspective, again, fundamentals of laparoscopic surgery, we have literally trained thousands of surgeons over the years in the fundamentals of laparoscopic surgery to make sure that these surgeons are trained in those techniques. Um, Secondarily, it's not just about delivering innovation, but delivering innovation and then training physicians in the safe and effective use of that technology. So it's not us to not just deliver uh, nice technology, but if we don't train people appropriately, it's a big miss on our part. So we've done a lot of work in the education on safe and effective use. And then I'd say the last area is really around surgical technique. And if you think about it, and Dr. Curian knows way more about this than I do, but the techniques to address bariatric surgery have evolved so much over the last 10 to 20 years. Part of our role as, as, uh, as an industry leader is to provide that training for physicians as things move from open to laparoscopic. And even thinking about how we approach surgery today, whether it's minimally invasive or robotic, we've got to make sure we're providing the education for physicians so they're competent and confident regardless of the surgical technique or approach. So those are the historical ways that we have partnered with physicians like Dr. Curian, innovation and education. And I'd say the last area, because I love things in threes, Tom, if you don't know that, <laughs> the last thing I'd say is technology. And I would tell you, this is an area that's new for us, right? So we're also, we're very good at making great technology, but this is focused on improving the patient and physician experience. And what's different about this is it's outside the surgical procedure. Everything I talked about with innovation has been around devices used in the procedure, education focused on the procedure. Now we're talking about how to use technology to enhance the experience for both physician and patient outside the surgical procedure. It's new for us, but the reason why it's so important is, and Dr. Curian can probably comment a lot on this, so much of that difficulty from a patient experience is pre and post-operatively. So mm-hmm. if we really think if we're going to attack this issue and really open up more access to care and, and get at some of the issues we have relative to making sure patients who get into the care pathway stay in the care pathway, we've got to make this easier for them to manage and maneuver that care pathway. So we've launched a new app called Go Further, and the idea there is to provide better connectivity for both physicians and patients. So if you're a patient, think about this. You're going through this. This is like one day you woke up and you had cancer, right? You've been dealing with probably being overweight for several years, and and you've got to find a way to make this journey because it is a journey. It's not an episode of care, right? This is a journey that takes a long time, and Dr. Curian can probably speak to how long that journey takes to get through for a patient. But we've got to provide a better maneuverability for patients. So we came out with this app, and the whole idea is to provide some support for for patients. So you think about a patient who's been dealing with this care pathway, how do I maneuver? How do I better manage my appointments? How do I have on-demand information relative to nutrition, clinical support, um, research on procedures? So there's a lot of information at their hands. And I think one of the other things that's really cool about this 
is you're not going through this alone anymore, right? This is a lonely and long pathway for a patient these days. And to get some support, a support network that can help you maneuver through this is really critical. So I think the that technology addition, we're trying to, we're trying to improve the pre and post operative care is great. And it's not just for the patients, I think, Tom, because part of what we're trying to do is improve that connectivity for, for surgeons like Dr. Kurian. You know, I, and again, Dr. Kurian, please comment, but we see a lot of patients drop out of the care pathway pre-surgery. So from that first clinical visit to the time they get surgery, something like maybe 50% of patients, probably not in your practice, Dr. Kurian, because you're well-known and you're so good at what you do, but a lot of practices, we see that high dropout rate. How do we ensure that that physician and that patient have better connectivity? How do we make sure that surgeons get signals when patients miss appointments or look like they might drop out of the care pathway? So trying to better manage that and give tools to both the patient and the physician is kind of a new area for it. But again, just kind of go back. It's innovation, it's education, and it's new technology apps. All right. (laughs) Preach. Feel like thunder, why don't you, Matt Perry? <laughs> yeah, well, you, your thunder will go much deeper than mine because you know things so much better. I just set you up. Uh, let's take that in a little deeper in that in terms of uh, talk to me about the, the patient experience, about what 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 brings them to you initially seeking uh, this procedure and and what you sort of how, how you work with patients to to help them understand what's coming and to keep them in the in this pathway if this is the pathway if they feel is right for them. I think the biggest point of this is patient engagement with my practice. And you said connectivity, Matt, and I and I think it is connectivity, it's touch points, um, but it's also engagement. And what generally happens is a patient will think about surgery. They may run into an old friend or a colleague who'll be like, I had surgery and you should go see so-and-so, you know, and that's how a lot of our patients for surgeons across the U S that come in uh, are usually self-referred. Sometimes they go to the internet and they've come to see you. And then once they see you, we, uh, you know, we discuss the options and, um, Generally, because we're using insurance, not always, sometimes patients pay for procedures, but generally when we're using insurance, each insurance has a different requirement. And so uh, most of our practices have one or two or three specialists that are uh, very savvy about which insurance requires what. And then we make a list for the patient and we send them after discussion. uh, And generally, I put them on a diet that visit and then we bring them back the following month. Well, some of the insurances are three months, some are six months. Um, Sometimes getting a list of things that you have to do before you can even have surgery, when you come in all gung-ho, like, hey, I finally made the decision Mm -hmm. to make this change in my life. Let's go. And then I'm like, yeah, you know, it'll be like six months. We have to wait a little bit. Um, And it's usually because of uh, other requirements and not me. But It is important for patients to understand what they're getting themselves into. So there is some time uh, in between surgery, I mean, between meeting the patient and going to surgery. Uh, We do have recommendations, like they need to have dietary evaluations and psychological evaluations to make sure they understand what's going on. And so once they see this list, as I said, they can get sort of turned off, frightened, or they might 
have missed a month because they were sick. Hello, it was COVID. I couldn't get in to see the doctor. You know, there's a lot of things that can mm. happen. And I think this pandemic really super highlighted all the things that can happen. Um, but there are saving points in the pandemic, which, is, which I'm going to add in, in a second. But the patients really um, sometimes get frustrated that they miss an appointment, and then they have to start over. Well, so talking about patient engagement, I've had the opportunity to use, go further in my practice. I have a, a fair amount of familiarity with it. And one of the things that I'd mentioned was that patients sometimes miss an appointment because something happened. You know, they had to go pick up their kid from school or, you know, they had to stay late at work. Um, and there's so many different things. Traffic, that happened to one of my patients yesterday. They couldn't come in because of traffic, so they came in today. So when that happens, when you have a telehealth uh, opportunity, which is in uh, within the Go Further application, you can actually interact mm -hmm. with the patient and the patient can talk to you through the app. And so you have a HIPAA compliant uh, you know, platform where you can have uh, your, your consults or your uh, follow-up meetings. And so the patient doesn't end up missing. Patient engagement is much higher because they're able to, you know, uh, I mean, I've had people pull over and talk to me from their car. <laughs> I'm like, hey, pull over. Mm -hmm. We're going to have this conversation. <laughs> you know, we do a call, not necessarily the initial consult, but certainly uh, I've done follow-ups with the patient um, or if they're having concerns or problems, we, we have discussions. So I think if the, the, the word really is engagement, patients are engaged. And then the other benefits of the app are that all those litany of things that I said, you know, they have to do a psych, they have to do nutrition, they got to get this letter from their doctor. All of those things are on the app. And they can see what they have to do. It's like a little mm -hmm. reminder. And then it's like a little checklist. And then they get to check things off and they can actually submit some of the documentation themselves. So many times I've had patients come to see me with their letter from their doctor in their hand, and now they can just snap a picture of it and upload it. So that functionality of the app is really spectacular. That um, ability to have the patients, you know, know when their their next appointment is, if they can't make it, how they can get a telehealth appointment. That ability to check off the psychological, the nutrition evaluations, and then they see their progress. They can see that they're actually moving much closer to their goals. And the other benefit, quite frankly, is my coordinator and uh, other practices coordinators are going to be so thrilled because now we're not chasing the patient down. They're able to be a partner with us in, in getting all of this done. And um, that also is so helpful. It helps streamline the office. It takes a lot of the burden off of um, the the activities of our coordinators and our staff trying to track down these letters and these evaluations. So it's really been fantastic and uh, well embraced. I, I thought it was a fantastic idea and I loved it, but my coordinator is over the moon about it. Is there a need for it to track health information about the patients, about their weights or diets or things like that to keep them in line? Or, or is that kind of data not, not necessary? And if there is any, does this app do that? Well, they can, uh, there is the ability to document the weights and the visits. I think when we do a visit, that's being documented as well. The yeah. app has a lot of functionality. In addition, there are opportunities for the patients to meet with a dietitian online. 
through the app as well as there's you know, exercise classes that are on there. And this has been something that we've utilized for our patients for a long time. Yeah. Does, I was going to add one thing, Tom. I think one of the, and it's a great, thanks, Dr. Crane, because that's a great explanation. I think one of the other things that really makes this unique is the fact that it's, it's not a cookie cutter approach. It's a customizable app, right? So again, Dr. Crane talked about tracking their progress and making sure they're achieving their goals. And, and, you know, different, and Dr. Curran talked about the different c- categorizations for BMI patients. So it is a customizable app that we can talk about what works for you. And that's important, right? Because we don't want something that just is generic because patients are different. The time they're going to be in the care pathway is different. Their goals and their expectations are different. So I think that's a really unique tool, a unique feature of the, of the app as well, Tom. How has this app sort of helped with, is there still a stigma associated with this sort of procedure, Uh, be it maybe due to lack of education or feelings from patients that, you know, maybe they want to get it done on their own without, without the surgery. Does having this app sort of in place sort of help them put them on a program, kind of make them, I guess, feel more confident about that, about that surgical path? Well, I think, you know, Matt mentioned that the app has a lot of information on the procedures. And I think that for patients to see that there is um, a great deal of success with these operations and um, how that will then impact them, I think that is important. I think having not just, hey, here's a checklist, check it off, but having that educational component um, is also very important. So I do think that patients who um, are maybe on the fence, if they once they see that and then they gauge through the Go Further app, I think that that does change some of their perspective and it really encourages them to continue with uh, their pursuit of having surgery. Yeah, and I might just add there, Tom, I think Dr. Curran's spot on because in one of the other benefits is you're part of a community now, right? This is a difficult path to maneuver and go through on your own. And so many people, because of the pandemic, are, are you know not spending as much time with other people, uh, especially people who are morbidly obese, where they're at risk, more higher risk from COVID infection. So I think the opportunity to say we're part of a community, we've got people we can interact with, there's people we can text with to get questions answered, there's groups we can join, there's nutritional programs. It's just, you're not going it alone, which is, again, you think about so many of the um, home fitness and it's not just home fitness. Now you're part of the Peloton community. You're part of the hydro community. There's, there's communities where people are tracking the performance against their peers and they're motivating each other. So I think this gives people an opportunity to be a little bit more part of a community and not try and go this alone. And just a final question about the app. How does it help uh, post-surgery uh, where some people, at least historically, I'm not sure if this has changed, but but some folks have been said to have sort of difficulty keeping the weight off or, or sort of maintaining the program that they needed to maintain to ensure that the, the surgery does what it is intended to do. How does it help on, on the other side of the surgery? Well, so there's some great resources uh, for the post-operative patients. So on the other side, as you said, And um, many of that has to do with um, different exercise classes, but also uh, one-on-one nutritional counseling or recorded nutrition classes so that if they're out wondering about like, you know, can I do this? There's usually a class that's already recorded that they can look at. But in addition, the patients postoperatively are supposed to be following up with the surgeon's practice. And we kind of, you know, as a whole team, try to help the patient to stay on track and um, 
part of that might be referring them to dietary services or having them review some of the, the, the classes that are there. But it's also just making sure that we see where they are uh, on their weight loss trajectory and then helping them, encouraging them to, um, to, to do more and to try and stem any weight gain that, that we see. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think we talked a lot about the pre-op pathway, but post-operative pathway is just as critical. And, and I think the fallout right there and the, the um, patient's willingness to stay in a rigorous program sometimes trails off after surgery. And again, you now have an app that can you can track things. Uh, if Dr. Kurian's staff recognizes that the patient isn't following their post-op protocol, they can reach out because they're going to be alerted to the fact that they're missing appointments and they're not following up. So again, it's just an opportunity to stay engaged with that patient post-operatively, just like you would preoperatively. And Matt, as, as head of surgical innovations, I mean, again, this is Medtronic's largest business. I think it's one of those that's charged with, with generating the revenues that kind of help the organization as a whole, including those may have a higher growth areas that have uh, more investments in new tech. Is this an area, is bariatric surgery uh, the primary area that you see new growth coming from or one of many areas? How are you going to be finding new growth and ensuring that uh, that your business within Medtronic is uh, is growing as 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 quickly as it can or as much as it can. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't know, Matt. I think Tom's wanting your job or something. He's like, what's your strategy? <laughs> I was thinking about Dr. Curran, maybe you want my job. Maybe I don't think I could take your job, but you could probably run surgical innovations. You're doing a great job talking through our go further wrap. But um, it, Tom, so first off, we have, there are other organizations or other operating units within Medtronic that have great investment opportunities and, and great uh, growth trajectories. There's no doubt about that. Um, but we at Surgical Innovations, while we're the largest, we still have a very clear path to accelerating our growth. And bariatrics is a key part of that. And, and Dr. Karina said this, Karina said this at the very beginning, I think we're servicing something like 1% of the addressable population in the United States. So it's a large part of our business today, a key focus for us, but there's so much more we can do to open up access to patients. And, and, and I think about our growth trajectory, we've got a variety of vectors that are going to add growth to us, including obviously um, robotic surgery, which is part of the Medtronic organization, but bariatrics, we think just because the size of the patient population that's unaddressed today, and we think we can really help physicians like Dr. Curry and really crack that and maybe bring more patients in the care pathway. Does go further apply to other specialties as well? Do you see yourself creating an app that the same name or different name that works for other types of surgery? You know, it's a great question, Tom. And in, in today we're investigating that. I think we started go further in bariatrics because the care pathway in bariatrics is so unique and the fallout rate is so unique, right? If you think about colorectal surgery or a thoracic cancer surgery, um, it's a different pathway, but we think there's a lot we can learn about the Go Further app in the bariatric space that can be applied to some of our other focus areas. So I think there's absolutely opportunity for this type of technology because, again, we're talking innovation. We're talking about education. That's not specific to bariatrics. That's across all those surgical specialties I talked about. And if you think about the technology, maybe it looks and feels a little different and we customize it for that specific disease state or that particular uh, surgical procedure, but we do think there's a lot of opportunities to, to extend our learning from the Go Further app and bariatrics into some of those other spaces. I want to I add um, that what I think the focus of the app is really very patient-centric, and in that, there is opportunities for um, our 
abdominal wall reconstruction patients to be on the app and, and be encouraged to lose weight and have a structure that is helping them lose some weight before their hernia surgery. Similarly, this is something that, you know, we've seen benefit in infertility patients who need to lose weight. And, you know, um, this is a great method to try and get them to do that in a, in a structured follow-up. So I do think that there's a lot of applicability to different uh, areas of surgery, but also medicine. And our orthopods would love something like this so they can track a patient's progress because patients have to lose weight frequently for multiple different, uh, different areas of surgery. So, so, Tom, it's pretty clear, Tom, that we need to invite Dr. Curry into our next strategic meeting around a little bit of surgical innovations and the expansion of this because she's got some great ideas. I love the idea about the hernia space for sure. Right. And, and final question, do you, uh, the, the data that's inputted in this, in this ad, is it, I'm sorry, in this app, is it uh, used uh, in any other way to assess the performance of devices or is it strictly related to specific patients and there's no aggregation, I assume anonymous aggregation of data used in product development? Well, there's things that we can learn all along. Like we can track where are the fallout, where, where do people tend to fall out, what nutritional programs, what lifestyle programs. So there's a lot of learnings, just like any other app that we can take away and refine to make sure that we're always trying to you know, improve the quality of the content on the app. Um, but in terms of the surgical procedure itself, it doesn't do anything necessary to the surgical, the episodic of the episode of care in, in the surgical suite. It's more about the pre and post-operative care. Excellent. All right. Well, it's exciting stuff. And and, and, and Dr. Karen, last last question to you. Uh, the patients are are enjoying the app, and they're and they're they're using it and and employing it uh, uh, well. I mean, are they are they taking to it quickly, and are they sticking with it? They are. Um, it's it is fairly easy to once you download it. Everybody has a smartphone, so it's it's right there, and um, they just pop on when we're doing telehealth. They find it easy. They like having the, the dietary options mm-hmm. as well as the exercise classes. So it's the ease of use, which I think is so important. Like you can have a great app, but if it asks you for um, a 30 letter and number combo password, hello, like this <laughs> meeting, for me to log in. I was like, what is this? Um, anyway, so it, you know, it's much um, easier for the patients to and it's very seamless and their integration is really great. So all of that makes it an app that patients will use and that they enjoy using. Dr. Marina Curian, thank you for joining us in the podcast. Matt Perry, thank you for joining us in the podcast. Great to have you both. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Dr. Curian. Great to see you again. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Medtronic Talks. If you do us a few favors, please post a review or a rating of this podcast episode so we know how we're doing and it helps other people find the podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Medtronic Talks. It's on every major podcast application, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. It's all out there. You can find it there and on devicetalks.com. While on devicetalks.com, you can check out our other podcasts and our events page, including our upcoming in-person meetings in Boston, Minneapolis, and Santa Clara, California. Those are all happening in 2022. Finally, you can help us out by sharing this episode on social media. And if you do, please connect with me. I am on Twitter at MedTechTom. I am on LinkedIn, Tom Salemi, S-A-L-E-M-I. Would love to be part of your Medtronic conversation. That's a wrap. 
Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Medtronic Talks. We'll have another great episode waiting for you next week. So stay tuned.